You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, good evening, good afternoon. It's surprisingly warm today. Is it summer? Not yet. It's not that kind of warm. It's, it feels better than it did last week. Yes. I think we're having like an early, uh, early... I think winter has gone quickly. The ground dog told a lie this year. No, it's coming back. He saw his shadow. Is this the before the after the show? Do we talk about weather? No, you're you're misleading the public. We don't sit here and talk. I mean, you talk about weather and I go, mm, uh-huh, mm, uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't care about the weather. So what was our actual before the after the show discussion? I'm making, the Sims. <laughs> it's very, very often the Sims because I'm, you fire because it up. Because I fired up before the podcast. And today I'm making our child what the Sims would create as our child, which is really funny because we don't have any child of any kind. Um, and before that, we're just talking about this movie. So we that's the actual before the after the show discussion. The weather was not part of it, except when we came upstairs, we were like, oh, it's warm up here. End of discussion. And it's very nice. Saturday, February the 11th. 11th. That's hard to say. It's after the show number 466. The movie we're looking at this week is the our second best picture for the Oscars that we have reviewed. First one was Hell or High Water, late last year. And this one is Arrival. It's a 2016 movie released on uh, Blu-ray February the 14th, so you can pick it up for Valentine's Day. It's a very Valentine's Day kind of movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's PG-13. It's from our friends at Paramount. And uh, Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of uh, Arrival, up Mm. for Best Picture. Synopsis is tough. Arrival... Would implicate would imply a few things if you've seen the trailer. Um, is it? I don't know how to synopsis. Is it about it. ABBA? I don't know what that means. ABBA had an album called Arrival. I don't know. That. And in the front, they're in a helicopter arriving somewhere. <laughs> is it about ABBA? Is it the story of ABBA? Yes. <laughs> There's your synopsis. I don't know how to synopsisize it. If you've seen the trailer, okay. So we're going to start here with spoilers, just in case. Um. Aliens from some other planet have arrived. However, is that really what the arrival is implying? That's referring good. to? Very there, good. There you go. <laughs> All right. So it's the co- a little deeper than that. The- it's not Independence Day and it's not contact. It's like those two had a baby. There's your synopsis. <laughs> it's, um, there could be some spoilers. Go away and see Arrival. You can actually pick it up on Tuesday. You can watch it now on, on the uh, digital. Um, it came out last week on... What do you call that? Streaming. You can go and rent it at all the various places. Go and see it anyway, however you go and see it. Come back, listen to us talk about it. Because there's a lot to talk about in this movie. And it all concerns stuff that you wouldn't know (laughs) from the trailer. The trailer doesn't really give you much. It shows you the ships. It tells you what it is. It doesn't tell you what it's about. Yeah, exactly. So, go away, come back. Spoiler time. So, um, we saw the trailer for Arrival. I think it was late last year. And I'm sucker for any sci-fi stuff, so I uh, saw some ships hovering, and that's enough for me. I, I will watch that movie, if there's some ships hovering. Because I do like the idea of uh, aliens coming here. I like the idea of them coming here to F us all up. Hence, Independence Day or something like that. And I also like the idea of them coming here to learn about us or to tell us something or, you know, not 
necessarily um, come here to kill us. And Arrival takes the... It's not the Independence Day route. Even though they almost go full Independence Day in this movie. I liked how the ships, which are really cool looking ships, like a uh, pebble, the director says. I just have to interject here. I don't think there's anything like Independence Day no, whatsoever. I've not explained it yet. That's okay, it. I mean, I wouldn't even make a comparison. No, I'm saying... Uh, well, I wouldn't make it a comparison to this film. I was saying I like both styles of alien films. Okay. They come to kill us, or they come to tell us something. It's peace, they come in peace, they come in at war, whichever. Or, like the day the Earth stood still. They seemingly look like they've come to in peace, but then it's not, right? Okay. So this movie, uh, like the designs of the ships... And when they actually got aggressive, they noticed they turned into like what we think of flying saucers. They kind of they flipped that way, didn't they, in the aggressive mode? Mm, I, I didn't think of them as flying saucer, but I understood like that we, they have a different stance. Yeah, the stance looked more traditional, like we think. Oh shit, they're coming to kill us! The beams are going to come out, and they were all dead. I didn't think of any of that. I don't... I, so I'm off track I like with that. you. I, I really like that. <laughs> I, the, the, the position changed, yes. But yeah. I didn't think of like, oh, they're trying to link me back to every other sci-fi movie I've ever seen by showing me the shape. I didn't think of that. So this movie's more not about the aliens coming. It's more about like us and how we might react to something as a race, uh, as the whole human race might react. And we kind of do react... In uh, in this movie, there are two schools of thought in the movie. There are the people who are scientifically reacting to what's happening, and then there are the war. Oh, we need to kill these things before they kill us. <laughs> like right, like most the countries of the world are like, uh, no, these are aggressive. Like before we've even got into anything with them, and then there are the scientists who obviously want to understand and figure it out. Um, That's what every single sci-fi movie does. Almost for all eternity. You've got the the military approach, the scientific approach, the we-want-to-love-everybody approach, the kumbaya approach, and the human factor, always. And the military... Because guess what? The only people who are writing these stories are people who've never met an alien. Yeah. So we all the same exact, reflected all exactly the same way. And the military and the science never see eye-to-eye, obviously. Yes, yeah. uh, and that's how it works here. So, what this movie really concerns, though, is these aliens come, and we make some contact with them, and it's really it's about how language is a barrier between us and them, and we have to send a person who's a linguist into the ship to l- at least communicate something to them of our language, or learn something about their language. Or a bit of both. And Amy Adams is the person who goes in. Louise Banks. And she... How, well, we can spoil. Mm-hmm. She has a thing. Um, She's never a thing. She is a linguist. I mean, what I mean is there's a... A thing that happens while she's... She, she starts to figure out. Simplistically at the beginning... Like, She's learning their language, and at some point they do refer to different theories about language, because people have been studying it since people have been talking, apparently. And one theory, or one thing that people have explored, is that once you're, you've you learned a language, that that actually affects the way you think. It actually impacts your whole view of the world. 
that if I were to learn 10 different languages and immerse myself in them, I would have very different perspective on the world and about humanity than I do by just learning English. So what she is is a linguist who wants to learn languages. She knows a lot of languages. We've established that very easily. So she's immersing herself in it. She Her job is to ask them the one question, what are you doing here? Right? Yeah. So she has to get to that question and explains it very well that if they have no sentence structure or concepts of that kind of language, anything like that, how do you get across? Obviously, they've created a thing and they've come to a place. So they have some understanding of something that we grasp. They travel through space, right? And they land and now they're doing something. So she has to establish not just their language, but it is going to impact the way she sees the situation. If I meet a stranger and I don't speak their language, I could be afraid that they're talking about me, they're saying bad things to me, they're saying intimidating things to me. If all of a sudden I had a Star Trek translator and I pushed the button and I found out that they're just talking to me and they're saying, like, I really like your shirt and I really like your blonde hair. I'm scared of you. Right. Then all of a sudden, my whole point of view, my whole entire everything is going to change. That's the concept of this. That as she is exposed to understanding their language from the inside, something is changing inside of her. And it's a little bit bigger concept than just changing your view on things. Yeah. and It actually changes your way you can understand all of existence, which is quite a concept. And it's got a really high concept to it. Also, um, a very high concept, as in there's a concept of... It's edited along with the concept, yeah. so you get a little confused at one point, which is good. You're supposed to? Cause yeah, you... you've established something Yeah, that she's having memories. Yeah. Spoilers. And then something crisscrosses at one point where you're learning what's happening, and then it's like, those aren't memories. Yeah, she has some flashbacks. Are they memories? <laughs> you know, what we're used to in movies where they show you flashbacks, or flash-forwards even, in movies... They can't, we, there's a language that movies speak that an editor of a movie puts together that we know now, don't we? We've learned the language of movies. Not just right. me and you. People in general. We've all learned the language of movies. We've learned if it looks like this, it's a flash forward. If it looks like this, it's a flashback. It's a, a language of its own. And this movie uses that language. But then, when the thing happens when you are when it's explained to you the I mean, it's already happened really becomes high sci-fi concepts it's already happened yeah you're not seeing anything happen no but you That's... piece the puzzle together <laughs> correct uh like lewis drax that we watched last week there's a moment in the movie where the puzzle kind of all comes together like learning a language you're learning a language you're learning a language you're learning a language it doesn't seem to make any sense and then you just lock into it that's how language that's how learning languages works you do it enough, repetition, there's a moment where you know it. And that's what this movie does. Um, and the concept is, it might lose some people, because it is, it's physicist and there's a scientist. There's a little bit of astrophysicism and qua- what's it called, quantum physics yeah. discussion, and the idea of linguistics in terms of... The kind of transcending how we actually all understand our own little plot of life, you know, that we have. I could definitely see some people watching this film and towards the latter part of it, not knowing what was happening anymore. They're going like, like it, oh, God. 
either that or <laughs> yeah. like I don't get what's happening now because it did this and then it did that and is this is this a memory of us or is this reality or what like you know but anyway the the main concept is that that she learns this language and learning the alien language unlocks a different way of thinking to anybody else grasp of reality that enables her to see everything like to see a future what we're saying is she she understands all of a sudden that time doesn't actually exist yeah it's a human thing that we've well I mean it isn't it is because things did happen and now they're happening so they're taking that leap of the quantum world where they're saying like is everything simultaneous is are we inside of a bubble inside of a bubble inside of a bubble is there a multiverse all that shit so they're taking that little leap yeah that her timeline is folding back on itself and forward. And at some point, she understands it. She can see all of her life as it plays out in the future. But as you're watching it, then you're like, is is this a thing that's happened happening? And she's just flashing back to the part that we're seeing? Or is she... So that's where I can see people getting a little bit like, ugh, it's too much for my brain. But like, you just gotta, like, let it happen. Like when you watch Interstellar, Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. That also has moments of... Oh, this is all astrophysicist stuff that I'm not fully comprehending, like, because it is all... But yeah, you have to really go with it. In this movie, I think it's a little bit more... They've simplified it down. That I know they did say in the extras that they didn't want to dumb it all down for an audience. But because of the nature of human beings, I'm not saying we're all dumb. You can't present an entirely abstract idea to an audience and expect anything out of it because you know you know like some filmmakers who make a film that's actually not about anything it's um an abstract piece of art like that guy who did the blue movie it's just not a blue not a blue movie a movie that's just the color blue right <laughs> but is that about nothing but it's an abstract idea that you you could any number of people could walk away with a different right, but perspective is, does on that it. make it about nothing well it makes does it that about make it about color. everything yeah, like... The, it's not about the color it's blue. It's that kind of concept that this movie goes for. Man, that's a little bit extreme. I wouldn't compare those two. But, uh, but, um, <laughs> it's not Independence Day. It's no, not that's blue. what I'm saying. I think they've dumbed it... They have dumbed it down by the nature of people understanding something. You can't really just present an abstract idea as a complete abstract thing. Because in, the, in a story, it doesn't work. Because you can't follow what is happening at all. Nobody would ever follow it. So they have to put it in a structure and explain it via flashbacks and flash forwards and very it's very pointed like this is what's happening to you like here's this whisper here and here's yeah. this thing going on here it's not as abstract as it thinks it is it's not, I agree it tries to take on that idea but it has to present it in a movie storyline so you don't literally like when the end credits roll all look at each other and go what the fuck was that? Like, I don't, I don't even understand what happened. Like, so therefore, because some could argue that two thousand one, a space odyssey, has a bit of it that does have that confusion. Yeah. yeah, and that you can bring to it what you want. What does the floating baby mean? What does it mean that he got yeah. old? Does he is that the future? Is that the past? Yeah. Does he has he always been there? There's definitely some of that. Was in he this. ever real? All that. That one has a little bit higher, less of a line. That's actually a good example of a movie that you can actually walk out of and go. I saw spaceships, and I saw a monkey banging a bone. What the fuck happened? I don't... 
I will have to go and think about that. I will go in a dark room and think about that for a while because the monkey and the bone and the spaceship must all be to do with something. The robot, the um, artificial intelligence, the <laughs> monkey and the bone. <laughs> you know, I always remember the monkey and the bone. Yeah, it's a big scene at the beginning. The, oh, the the plinth. What do you call it? The obelisk. This movie Arrival definitely has some Stanley Kubrick uh, nods, I believe, to it. It's like this like tunnel that they go up into the ship, uh, where gravity changes with a big white kind of. Where we actually speak to the aliens in this movie is like this room. They're in like a. A fog, which I'm assuming is their atmosphere that they live in. It's like this uh, weird fog. And um, that big white room, well, black room with a white light on the end, looks very 2001 A Space Odyssey. I'm sure it's not um, an accident. But um, yeah, the concept's high, Is he? but it's still not... I had a few questions at the end of the movie in my own mind about it. You know, where does this fit and where does that fit? And why, if she can understand the language and then see everything in a different... Like she, like it unlocks something in you to... She understands everything. She can see her... She can see the future. Can she only see her future or the future? Just her future. Is it only because she was there to experience it? Is like it only we because were discussing? Because was... she... Mm. As we see, at some point, she's now, she then teaches people about the language, but your question was, what if the whole world knows it? That's kind of, I think he, she had to be there. Like, they give the her the gift with, when the squid ink. with the hair thing. and the... No, that was before that. It was way before that. It was like before when she was just first starting When she learning. puts her hand on the yeah. thing, yeah. And it unlocks that thing. And yeah. she actually does it. Because my question was, in the future, we see a scene where she's wrote a book that this is understanding the language. She's a literal, like a best-selling book about the language. So what would stop anybody just learning the language and also uncovering the meaning of everything and knowing everybody's future? And that would be a sequel, right? But this isn't the kind of film that would have a sequel. It's just (laughs) something to think about at the end. You know, does it work this way? Is it only she can have it? Like, will we ever encounter these things again? Yes, we might, because... They need our help in 3,000 years. They actually mention it. The reason they come in the movie and they mention More spoil- it... Big spoiler. ...is uh, they need our help in 3,000 years. So they're helping us now so we can help them then. Even though they don't have a concept of time of their own. Well, well we don't know that. They, they, they see may have time a concept of time, but yeah. they see... If you see a concept of time, then you understand there's time. Yeah, and they understand... Hours? Or do they? They must. Yeah. Because they're giving her this, giving somebody this, knowing it's going to take us that long to figure it out. Otherwise, what? they could have, they should have gone back 10,000 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> or they could have come back 100 years before they needed us. And but they should they have actually learned our language, us. so it was a lot easier to tell <laughs> no, us. No, they could have. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, that's what the, the So that's what we need to tell them. Before you come, learn our language. Then you don't have to spend, do all this deciphering. Or bullshit. maybe they already do know it, but we're not understanding theirs, so it doesn't matter. No. But anyway, there are a lot of things to think about. I, I liked it as a film. It's not flawless because you can put a hole in yeah, a lot. Holes, but yeah. you have to just take that sci-fi, that true sci-fi leap. Yeah. With it, I think. But the style of the film I really like. Um. Visually, it's good. It's very gloomy. And. 
very designed. Like, everything... It's too gloomy and it's too fucking blurry. It's all blurry and gray. I like that. I, I don't like it at all. It, just, it doesn't serve the story at all. If you want to make the human life seem dull and gray like he was talking about, you're on the bus and you're looking out the window on a rainy day... That's one thing. But I'll tell you what, on a rainy fucking day, everything isn't blurry to me. Well, I didn't think it was blurry. Oh, loads of things are blurry. Sometimes you had five people in the scene, and the front two people are crispy clear but gray, and then the back people are literally blurred out as if someone has gone, well, you know, when you look around, everything's not crispy clear. I did. Um, I mean, it was really obnoxious at some point. It I, wasn't serving the story. I definitely did see Forrest Whitaker being a black man. Actually disappears into the shadows on occasion, like completely disappears. Like like his face is not even there. Like, and in some movies they tr- they do that thing where you're not supposed to see them, and then they step into the light a little bit and you see them. But yeah, this and it's not nothing to wrong with the picture. It's yeah, this cinematographer got this idea of it's a gloomy, ho- gray, horrible thing. And but then when you get in the spaceship, it's Better. No, it's not better at all. It's still still a gloomy, fuzzy, blurry white light that isn't like a crispy white light. Now, I understand that in reality, light isn't all perfect and shiny. I mean, the fog room is is this foggy... And behind the glass, yeah, yeah, but on our side of the glass, they still made it just... It doesn't make sense... That as we're talking to them, there's this, like, you just want to, like, clean off the, clean my glasses, clean the lens. There's not enough light coming through. And there's, I thought, well, there's going to come a time when all of a sudden we are seeing a moment in time that's actually nice and bright-ish, like, appropriately bright and crispy clear to contrast something. But that doesn't happen. It's definitely a stylistic choice of yeah, the Yeah, and I don't movie. think it did what it needed to do. If the flashbacks or the flash forwards or being in the spaceship or being in the tent or in, inside of her mind needed to be reflected visually in some way, then it needed to contrast other moments that weren't that, and it didn't ever do that. It was very one note, and when it did try to, like, actually give you some visual interest it it didn't it failed one of the things that like was always like got to me a little bit and i was like what the fuck is all these people they're in these tents put up by the government at the site and there's so little light in those rooms you can barely see the keyboards that they're typing on they're like so dim and there's like these little lights all around and i was like it's a government operation. They would like this place. Exactly. Why, why are they all working in the dark? Exactly. Like, what is this? Are they trying not to scare the alien craft? Because I don't think they can even see. Like, exactly. they're inside. It just seemed very like... It was a... We need it all to be gloomy. So even yeah. these places are gloomy. In like, fact, when you don't want lots of bright light... Like, the office place where I work now... My specific office is dark. I can turn the lights off. I work in a data center. So I can go behind the wall, close the door, turn off the big lights... And I've just got the glow of the monitors and like a couple of safety lights on that's all i like but in the main office it's all or nothing like you are in white bathed the new kind of energy efficient lights that is just it's almost like i have to put my hand over my eyes sometimes when i walk out and that you see people trying all kinds of tricks you know i've seen people with sunglasses in there it's very weird i feel like this uh, movie yeah i like the visual style is interesting yes it is a bit gloomy I, i definitely agree with that I like the, um, you know, the craft designs. What I do think about this movie, though, I think it 
It's very economical with what it does, which I really like. There aren't a lot of special effects in this movie, apart from the, the aliens themselves do some cool special effects. But as far as the ships floating, it's very static. It's mm-hmm. just like... I mean, that's like a special a, effect, though. It is a special effect, but it's it's not Independence Day where there's loads of action. In fact, there are, there is no action, really. There's some news clips of some things happening. People running around with guns and stuff. But as far as that, there isn't action. It's not like a blockbuster action movie. It is a scientific, slow burn, talky movie, isn't it? It's it's a yep. different kind of sci-fi movie. It doesn't the it's shit. It's a thinker. Yeah, it's not the shit in the fan. Uh, you wait for the third act where everything goes haywire and you get to see all the White House blow up. It isn't that at all. It's a different way of looking at a sci-fi movie. It isn't a different. It's not novel. There's been other movies. I'm going to recommend at least two of them in my recommendations. There are other quiet sci-fi movies too. But um, it did it in a... There's a something good about this movie. It's definitely a... It's, it's a, got some high qualities. And, and it's got some script. like off things that... Like the look of it is weak to me and... Some of the way they try to cut it together and, like you said, dummy down when they don't think they're dummying it down. Yeah, they definitely Trying are. to stay a little bit high. Kind of like the one we saw with the man with the farting where they're trying to Swiss be... Army, trying to stick to some sort of artistic thing. And yet what happens is it just dumb, it dummies itself down automatically. And this does have things to think about. But don't... It's not... I'm trying to think of a super abstract movie that you might not be able to get your head around until you think about it a lot. Something like Dark City, maybe? Yeah. Maybe really, or Brazil? I've never seen Brazil. Yeah, Brazil. Like, you don't know what the F is happening in Brazil when you walk out of it. And, and Dark City, too. And you think about it, and you think about it, and you come to a, your own kind of meaning for it. Because it's a high concept. It's not exactly the same for everybody. This movie... Once you get to the heart of it, it is the same for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's not as clever. There's not a lot as... of interpretation. But let's move on to the cast. And there's not a huge cast in this movie, even no. though there are a lot of extras. You know, because there's a lot of people around. It really boils down to four people in the um, cast. And it's Amy Adams plays Louise Banks. Again, Amy Adams is always good, I think. Even even in Superman, when she's Lois Lane. Uh, what did you think of uh, her? Yeah, I like her more and more all the time. I think she's the best thing about this movie. And she's, yeah, she's a really good choice as this linguist. She's um, something... She's kind of cold as a person, but she's very invested in what she does. Like, it's it's her. Like, the, yeah. Like, there's nothing... There's no barrier between her. It's just... I felt she's an expert. I get it. I buy it. There's even nothing that would not, stop her from doing it. Yeah, but like, she's not like the exposition expert who comes in and da da da. I'm going to tell you all the facts and the figures and the scientific stuff. I really like <laughs> the beginning part of the movie where stuff's obviously happening and she can see. It's like it's like uh, Shaun of the Dead a little bit. She's walking to work. There's something happening on the news over there. There's some kind of kerfuffle over there. Yeah. But her as she is. She's not really... She's just going on with her life. Like, she'll... This stuff will eventually But you're led to to believe that's for one reason. Yeah. You are. That isn't... Yeah. (laughs) But then is it? Then is it, yeah. Because how far up and back does it flip around? Yeah, so she might have that attitude because she already knows, or she might... Yeah, you don't know, do you? But that's how it seems. 
Um, but yeah, she's really great in it, I think. And uh, Jeremy Renner, who's a co-star. And there was a weird comment in this movie that... And it's not a weird comment. It's actually reflective of today's age or all of humanity's age. Where she said... Oh, Jeremy Renner, it was excellent because, like, a lot of men wouldn't actually be a co-star to a woman. I was like, what? You mean supporting actor. Supporting actor. Like, like they would just turn it down flat because pff, I'm playing to some... That's still a thing. It's weird. It's still a thing. Because she made it clear it was still a thing, and she's heard that. Because in terms of endearment, Jeff... What's his name? He's not the main guy. The husband isn't the thing. No. Jack Nicholson isn't the thing. They're supporting two women leads, and that's... 25, 30 years ago. When she said that, I was like, wow, that's obviously still exists. Yeah, it's deeply ingrained. Yeah, so she was like, and yeah, Jeremy Renner, he's not showy in this. He's there to help her. She's she's kind of in charge. Why does she need help? Well, I mean, he's there to do whatever she needs, like um, in the actual task of... And then they also have a little bit... He has a little bit of fun with her. It's obviously... You know, they, they call them Abbott and Costello, the two aliens. And there is a little bit of fun that they have. I mean, they say that once and then later they ask where the other one is. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. But I mean, yeah. And we see like a accelerated version of them learning the language anyway. We only see a couple of... And then they later on they go, oh, this is like session 57 or whatever. And we're like, oh, yeah, we saw three of those sessions. So, what do you think of Jeremy Renner? Do you like him in here? Yeah, but he's interchangeable, I believe. With what could have been lots of other men, lots yeah. of other performers. Uh, Forrest Whitaker plays Colonel Weber. Now he was better than I'm used to. Did you him. like him in Rogue One? I did actually. He's kind of mental. Yeah, and, but he's a little over the top, melodramatic. He has that tendency. He does. But character was interesting. He was just a little bit too Batmany. Inside of it, you know. He was an interesting <laughs> character, though. I, I did think I like. It's one of the things I really liked about Rogue One. And Forrest Whitaker here, he Much drops better. all his um, drops it all, and he's just the just current, as if you don't even know who he is. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just cool. And he's very. He's the. He's a colonel who's in charge of this operation, and he's got to answer to all these people, and he'll only let her as this linguist who is trying to understand these. He'll only let her have certain liberties. Like He's like, no, you're here to do the job. Like, Don't go off the script. We just need you to do this. And he's very straightforward with them. And even to, even at the end, he is just straightforward. He's like, yeah, you came to do your job, and I came to do mine, and now we're leaving. Like, it's, He's just pretty straight down to earth. The other guy I wanted to mention uh, was Michael Stuhlbarg, who played Agent Halpin. And he actually played a serious man in uh, the Coen Brothers movie, a serious man that we couldn't figure out the name of this week. He was that guy. Ah, that's who he yeah. was. And uh, he was good in this too. As this guy, <laughs> I loved it when she said, do I have to speak to this guy? Because he's the guy who, he doesn't want to win on your scientific shit. Just wants to blow him up. He's like, he's not like, he's just like, you can talk to them all you want. They're probably here to kill us. Let's just fuck them over. Like he, and every time she tries to explain something to him, he's like, "We don't." He, I can see it in his mind. We don't have the time or money for any of this shit. Let's just get to the point. Uh, so I really liked him. This is directed by Denis Villeneuve. He also directed Prisoners, which was a fantastic movie. Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Wolverine. Was it Wolverine? Yeah, it was Wolverine. Okay. Um, 
Really good. Go and watch that. Sicario, which I've not seen yet. It's really good. You saw Sicario? No. Prisoners. Prisoners, right. Sicario is Emily Blunt, um, and it's about uh, Mexican drug cartels, I believe. I've heard it is excellent. I really need to see it. But um, what do you think of this guy as a director? I like it except him allowing the visual choices. Style yeah, and it wasn't his thing that was before, it. It was because he allowed it. Yeah. He let he was on board with it because he had this vision and he stuck he got glued to it and then he let it just run away with itself. Other than that, I like the choices. I like the methodical pace. It's, it's not in your face. Yeah, yeah, very good. It didn't. It's a two-hour movie, and uh, we paused it, and I was like, "Crap! There's only ten, fifteen minutes left." It felt like it had been on five minutes. Like, it's really riveting. Like, especially the first hour when you're like, what the hell is going on here? And they're going up into the ship slowly, like, and... But it doesn't seem that way. It's really interesting. So, um, extras on this Blu-ray. There are a bunch. Um, there's Xenolinguistics. Understanding Arrival. We watched that. It was about the language that's used in the movie. Was he a bit of a contradiction for you? One guy said that it was real language that he'd created over so long. No. Another guy said he just created a language. No, he wasn't talking about that being like... He's talking about in science. Right. You make a thing, da-da-da-da. He wasn't really referring to that. Right. Uh, uh, What did you think of that extra? It was good. I mean, I like... Sciency. In this one, I liked, yeah. That Uh, guy kind of said nothing most of the time. There's acoustic signatures, the sound design. There's eternal recurrence, the score... Non-linear thinking, the editorial process, and principles of time, memory, and language. The standout for me was the editor. Um, I've always said, you, in extras, you don't always see the editing part of the extras. And when you do, and they go into detail on editing, I'm always into it. I think those editors don't get enough um, They get nominated for Academy Awards. They do, but not many people go, do you remember that movie? What a great editor that had. People don't say that. They go, oh, that's a great director, and look at that leading actor or actress. But don't you think that's because people don't understand? Yeah, but <laughs> when you do... That's why I, I think you should watch extras or documentaries about people who edit movies, because the power the editor has over the audience and the whole thing is almost... It's the ultimate power. Like he said, he even referred to it as a superpower when you're making a movie. The editor literally has the superpower. He... How he wants it to be, as long as the director signs off on it, I guess. If he's a good editor, a really good editor, can take the same scene and make it like as many times, and this be a romantic version of the scene, this be an action version of the scene, but with the same pieces of stuff and different music and different ways of I mean, of you have to have a lot of different pieces to go from all those different genres, but to change... Like this feel, one, we like, saw a definite scene that got cut together in a completely different way. Yeah. And uh, it just changes the whole feel. And like one way, you know, like he said, so he used to have this thing in him where he couldn't let go of his cut when somebody wanted to change something. But now he's changed his mind on that whole thing. Had a, what did he say? He had a... When he was young, he just didn't want to give up anything. And then it? he had some kind of moment where he'd seen, he'd done two different versions and the, the the analogy he used was about the 
Picasso. Yeah, he saw a Picasso painting. It was and, nothing he did. And he paint he painted uh he did a couple of slashes on the page. And it looked like a rooster and he wanted him to stop and he kept painting and it ended up painting like a bull or something. A centaurian. So he thought, okay, well, he could have been a chicken. It could now always it's be, be better, I guess. Or something different. Or Don't different. be attached to your first idea because yeah. it might get better. So yeah, I mean, it's not a new concept. No, but really, <laughs> I like to listen to editors and I like it's, it seems like a very lonely like sat in a <laughs> room editing, you know, often on your own trying to figure so and it's like a, a huge, complicated puzzle, isn't it? With audio elements, and when you see when you see an editor's timeline, you're working on a timeline for a video. You got like two things, and you see an editor's timeline like his, and it was like a hundred things on one screen. Yeah, like, this is a sound effect. This is a thing. It's like whoa! It's like a jigsaw puzzle that is like immense. Definitely, you know. So yeah, good extras, really good. Like not those cheesy promotional extras. These are all very thoughtful, as thoughtful as the movie put together, actually. Yeah. So, um, in conclusion, what did you think of the... Uh, I enjoyed the movie. Would you give it best picture? If it, no. Well, you're not seeing the other I would one. not give it best picture, even compared to the others, because it did not succeed for me visually at all. Like, just little tiny... I like the idea of the way it could look, but I just hated the way that it looked. I thought it was just a bad, bad, bad choice. So no, it didn't, uh, didn't all come together for me. I didn't hate the way it looked. I actually quite liked the design. I don't like the gloominess. Uh, I think he did that in Prisoners too, you know. Prisoners has a lot of gloomy scenes. But in here, they're kind of... But if it's prominent and I'm constantly thinking about it, that's when it's a problem. Yeah. If it's reflect, I mean, Prisoners is a gloomy fucking story. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes sense that there are times... When you are bathed in gloom and other times when it's just a normal day and there's house lights on the inside that light up things and make things crystal clear and some things are in the shadow, not gray all the way across. It's funny because the IMD message boards, RIP, IMDB message boards, which are going away in uh, nine days because mm-hmm. we can't have nice things because people are assholes. So... um the first post on the IMD message buzz was, why is this movie so dark? And no, my brightness is not incorrectly. Because everything else <laughs> looks fine, you know? <laughs> uh, and somebody said, it's an intentional design by the Yeah, intentional yeah. and mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, Definitively. It, it might appeal to you, but it is a very gloomy movie. Um, sometimes gloomy. So gloomy you can't see the people. So, uh, in conclusion, I really like the film too. It doesn't strike me as a best picture type of movie, even though it is high quality and really good. And we haven't seen them all yet. But if I had to choose between this and Hello High Water, which we've seen, I would choose Hello High Water every time, you know? Because I think that is a... Yeah. I think everything about that movie is good. But and I love science fiction, and I did like this high concept. Um, But like Gravity, which is another movie that did really well in the Oscars... I think Gravity was a super high concept thing that I don't think works as well when you revisit it because I have looked at it again and it's like of its time kind of thing like it's yeah it doesn't re- it doesn't live up to repeat viewings which I don't think this would either like no it's kind of a either neither does 2001 Space Odyssey not really oh it really does though it doesn't though I've watched it a lot of times in my life well you're wrong and it's very like Blade Runner there's all I see something different every time I watch it there's so many things, like, you know. 
I watched it when I was young first, 2001 on Space Odyssey. I had no idea what I just saw. Like, I was really young. Like, I didn't really understand. So how many times have you seen it? I would say... How many times in the last 10 years? I bought it on VCD, and then I bought it on... So it's been 30 years since you watched it. I haven't watched it for some time, which I should, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And you will find that while it's newish again, you will also have that thing where you're like, oh yeah, this has not got the impact it had, because I'm... I'm aware now that in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to see this. And in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to feel that. So it's a little bit different. So thanks to Paramount for the movie. We do recommend it. If you like gloomy, high concept, space stuff. It's not really space, but you know. Um, It's not gloomy either. I mean, gloomy looking. Gloomy looking, yeah. Um, It's more, yeah, thoughtful. I'm telling you, it's Independence Day and Contact had a little uh It's the thing. thinking man's version of those. Um, Contact's very thinking man. <laughs> I was going to say. Contact. <laughs> this would be a controversial maybe. I don't know. But Contact is better. She learns the linguistics of the alien race. Letter by letter. And you see it all coming. Like, you see it all happening. Like, I really like that about that movie. The way she starts, she start, as she starts to learn it, there's... It starts to unfold. In this movie, it's like all in one big shot. She didn't learn their language. She didn't. She learned a language from the, from them. She kept learning the and writing it down on that pad. Mm, I have to see it again. But it was that. like it was a slow burn thing. Like she'd learn a thing, she'd learn a thing, she'd learn a thing. The thing started to come together, come together. In this movie, you see her learning some stuff, and then they just blow all the it's water. It's a montage. Yeah. Well, it's not even a montage. It's like, oh, now she knows it all. Like, yeah, it's... we got a montage with a voiceover. That's all that was oh, to yeah, tell us. Yeah, it's yeah. been a month. It's been this long. It's been this. We've done this. We've done that. Boom. Now you're up to speed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks to Paramount for the Blu-ray. Uh, next week on the theme, we're carrying on with the Oscar Best Picture nominees, and we're going to be watching Manchester by the Sea. And it's not about the Manchester that I come from. It's about the other one. So, uh, yeah, that's Casey Affleck. We'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going with the theme of Arrival. I just mentioned Contact. It's a fantastic movie along very similar lines, to be honest. It's the closest movie I could think of to this. Contact. It's got... It's the very similar Mm -hmm. out there. It's uh, one of those concepts that you have to... If you don't grasp the concept of it and don't throw yourself into it, you will walk away going, what the hell was that? I don't... You know, it's astrophysicist stuff. And my other one is Under the Skin, which I recommend a lot. It's um, Scarlett Johansson. It's a very strange alien coming to Earth story told in like a really straightforward way that feels really real. Like It feels very real. Yeah, a whole different... If you want a different approach it's to really a different good. kind of being amongst us. Yeah. Among us. Walking That's amongst like, us and just just being like doing weird. No, yeah. she's not just being <laughs> doing a thing. Don't act like she's just getting a sip of coffee. No, she's fucking gooifying people. But it's good. <laughs> Don't pretend that she. <laughs> it's not like for kids. No, but it's a good, interesting, um, artistic look. It's Very. artistically made. It's just a really interesting film. And yours are. Mine are going with this theme of going back to 1987. So what what movies were being released that year, and we're on a couple of not great ones this time. These are all from the list of movies I've seen. These are not recommended, are they? They were my recommendations, yeah. 
Go I'm, back and watch them or watch them for the first time just to relive 1987 in all of its glory. I'm going like, to ignore them this week. This week. So the first one is funny because later in, like, I'm talking about, I can see the past. I can see the future from the past. This is making Mr. Right with Ellen DeGeneres, who's trying to find Mr. Perfect, which now we know, of course, she's a lesbian. So it's a funny thing, Hollywood. I've never seen before it. Before you come out into the world to say that I'm homosexual or transgender or whatever. That you're probably jammed into the box of you're a woman, and well, therefore these are your storylines. Like George man, Takai. Yes, that you are one thing. So, and it's not good. It's just a cheesy, Never crappy. It. It's not great. And the other one is equally bad. <laughs> it's Police Academy Four. It isn't the worst. Police, Police Academy. Academy Four. Number six is the worst for me. Well, it's funny that you would have seen them all. Because I have seen them all. I think I've only seen up to four. No. Four's pretty bad, though. It They're got all bad. bad. No, all bad. One, and, one and two are pretty fun. That doesn't make them good. That makes them fun. Yeah. Yeah. But then it just it just went on too long. Like, most things where the money keeps coming, they just keep doing it, don't they? I think they even did one recently, like another... You mean like a galaxy video. far, far away kind of a thing? No, I mean a straight-to-video <laughs> straight type Police Academy recently. I just love how you can pick and choose what things need to go on for, like, 40 years and what things need to end. Uh, I feel like Star Wars is a bit more uh, high not, quality than I'm not Police just, Academy. I'm not arguing with that, but you can't say that some everything needs to end. What happens you to would Steve have Star Wars gone in We don't see him in anything anymore. I do not know. Well, his in, parents live down the street from Wombat. Might be an insurance thing. Yeah, we have, really haven't seen him. He just disappeared. He's in a couple of things. No, he didn't disappear. Is he in like TV shows? I don't know. He I was, wasn't he? He was like a drag artist or something in a TV show? Or a woman? Know. That one that you, Once I've said I don't know, that's pretty know, much you, what I mean. You, you watched it. You told me about it. Like, no. there was two dudes, and like one of them was a woman or something, and, but he was a dude, and they lived together. Odd couple. No, not odd couple. Something. You've told me about it, and it was Steve, I think you said it was Steve Guttenberg. No, in the I 80s. haven't. It wasn't. You're talking about Steve Hank. I mean, of Tom Hanks dressing like a woman to live in an apartment. Yeah, maybe. That's not him. That's... Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, Tom Hanks. I and know Peter Scolar- Scolari. No, not Peter Scolari. Is that like... What was yes, it? Peter Scolari from... No, I just told you. You didn't tell me the name. Oh, yeah. I forget. So, <laughs> you just told me... You told me you was in it. You didn't tell me. <laughs> it's like something Friends or... No. Like... Odd? Oh. No. no, it's not odd anything. Stop. It's not odd anything. It's not Friends. You have to email me and tell me what it is. <laughs> I so do yeah, don't watch, the, don't watch those. Don't watch those. They're both shit. Definitely it. don't watch Police Academy Four. You're not going to. Even what? That. Don't tell them what to do. They can well, watch it fifty times. If, if you've want. not seen any of them, don't start with number four. Start with number four and just see where it takes you. All right, games and a scully <laughs> stuff this week. We uh, watched a Netflix show this week. Um, it's out now. Came out this week. It's called Santa. No, San Clarita Diet. Santa Clarita. Oh, I thought it was San Clarita. I don't think so. That's what it says there. San Clarita Diet. I know what you've got there, but I think it's Santa Clarita. All right, Santa Clarita, whichever one it is, it's a place in Los Angeles. California. California. And what did you think of this show on Netflix? We watched the whole show, actually, in two nights. So that's how... Santa Clarita. Santa Clarita Diet. What did you think of it? I loved it. And what is it? I'm not going to tell them. Just watch it. If you get Netflix, just watch it. What does it say? <laughs> it's not up to me to tell them. I'm not going to review it because I don't want to spoil it because I knew nothing. That was that the idea that made for me to have this here in my uh, section. Anyway, it is a... Uh, you tell them that. Is it a sitcom? 
No. What kind of show is it? I don't know. I, I thought think, it was I think sit- we're in a it's new like world. a sitcom format. We're in a new world. I don't think a lot of those apply anymore. It's like um, a comedy. I mean, technically, it's a situation. And in that situation, we have comedy. Therefore, it is a situation comedy equaling sitcom. However, it's not a sitcom like Archie Bunker sitting there and then the audience laughs. And then they say a joke and then the audience laughs. It isn't like that anymore. I hate to break it to you. But it's just like... The trailer will give it all away anyway. Don't watch the trailer. I watched the trailer after we'd finished the whole season, actually. I yeah. wanted to see how they sold it. The trailer shows, I'd say, 80% of everything that happens in the entire season. That's that, big. That is big. Right. Yeah. Um, so don't watch the trailer, but it stars, this might interest you, Drew Barrymore and the sheriff from Deadwood, Timothy Oliphant. Um, and they're very funny in it. Uh, you can see all ten episodes now on Netflix. Um, and if you're slightly squeamish, you might... Oh yeah, you don't want to watch it. And I didn't want to watch it because I thought, ugh, I don't want to start another show and I don't want to get invested in another show. And then you watched the first one and I said, do you think I'll like it? And you said, oh yeah. It's, it is what... It, you gave me a description and I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And, and it then is. we it, watched it all in it two It was days. really fun. Yeah. We, we, I mean, we watched it in two days, so that's... <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's on Netflix. You can watch it. We watched another show this week. Started it. And now this... This was outstanding. And it's on FX. And it's called Legion. And um, the night before we watched it, we watched uh, X-Men Apocalypse. And Legion is an X-Men TV show that Marvel have started on FX. It's by Noah Hawley. I think that's misleading. Because it's not not really an X-Men show to me. I mean, it is. But it isn't. It's got X-Men in the title. It doesn't. It says Legion. and uh, With an X. Yeah, that's not X-Men to me. It's the X-Men logo. The O of Legion is the X-Men logo. I know, but to say it's an X-Men show, I think, is misleading. I mean, it is. That's like saying Daredevil is a Marvel show, as in Avengers show. Because it's not. It's just him. It's a Marvel show. I know, but it's not Marvel as in Avengers. That's how I think of Marvel. That's not what Marvel is, though. I know, but that's what I think. So when you say Wolfman, when you say X-Men, I'm thinking, oh, I'm bringing all the X-Men in, and it's Adventures every time, and it's a big, huge storyline. And it's not. It's about... One dude who we don't know anything about for watching this because I don't read comics and he's not in any of the movies and that's the only references I have and I've watched the Netflix shows but they don't we don't have any. Is who is X Men? Are they Marvel? Yeah. Okay. I'm Marvel at in, the beginning of the show. But they're not in any of the stuff like Daredevil or any of them. We don't get introduced to Jessica Jones isn't an X Men. None of that stuff. No. See, my not only reading the comics. So when I watch Legion, the movie universe of X Men is those movies, six movies, and this show. That's all the. It's in. It's actually in the film universe. They've actually clarified that. What do you mean in the universe? It's the same universe that those people exist in. It's but not those six separate. movies don't even go together. Well, the 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 last three that we just saw, okay. the ones that have the going back to the seventies, and it's in that universe. So, by rights, those people could drift in and out of this, but they probably won't go as a TV show, like you say, but... Therefore, we... I think it's misleading to say it's an X-Men show, where it's a, a, a mutant. We've established that. Almost the mutant. Well, we don't know. I don't know that, only from what I've seen on this show. I don't know anything else about it. I don't bring anything with me. I don't know other bullshit, no other stories, no other comics, nothing. I haven't looked him up. Hardly. 
I mean, you looked him up and described a few things. But to me, just about a dude who's discovering he's got some weird-ass powers. That's it. Best part about it, though, is by Noah Hawley, the guy who directed Fargo, the first two seasons of Fargo. And this show, is the it brings his style with it. It's like a mutant X-Men show with the Fargo style to it. Which is what I loved about Fargo, is his shots, his set design. It's a bit Wes Anderson. It's very specific and very interesting looking. This movie, this uh, Legion also has a bit of like, made me think of 12 Monkeys a little bit. And (laughs) it's got this madness about it. It's it's got a little madness. uh, um, It was, this was the pilot that we saw on Wednesday for Legion. It continues next week. But this pilot was super effective. It was one of the best pilots I've seen of a show that made me want to watch this show. Like it, it, it sums up a whole big. By the end of it, you're with this guy. Like you're with him. Mm-hmm. You know a lot about what is happening, but the possibilities that that are out there at the end. Are, I don't feel like I know a lot about what's happening. I mean, you know why and how, and you know what. Don't know anything. All I know is he's fucked up in the head. Yep. And he can do shit with his mind. One group of people who appears to be like the government might be trying to do some shit to him. And then another group of people who don't appear to be like the government, but they may be. They're just nicely dressed. Maybe from the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. So we got a little timeline issue going on. Appear to grasp what he's doing because they might have some mutants among them. That's it. You don't know anything. We don't know who the people were with the pool, and we don't know who Gene Smart is. Not really, unless you look it all up. I get, I just get the. F- <laughs> I know we feeling, don't know, but I right. get the feeling that similar to Xavier's program for mutants, they want to take him and have them with the, with them, you know, for good rather than bad, which the government seem to want to. Well, the government actually in this, <laughs> they seem to want to understand him, but then. We don't know that they're the government, though. Well, whoever they are, yeah. <laughs> they want to understand him, and then, if it all seems too much, just kill him. <laughs> because, like, this could be really bad. Exactly. Like, yeah, because he is a really powerful mutant. I mean, it seems like he is. Anyway, it's Legion, it's on FX. If you liked uh, what Noah Hawley's done before, the Fargo show, um, this is a different thing. It's a superhero type thing, but that style that he has, the actors that he picks... I mean, Gene Smart's in here. But yeah. the way people look, that he's very, like... I even thought Fargo had, like, a ca- almost a comic book um, stuff to the characters. You know, like... Yeah, very graphic. Yeah, like graphic novel type thing, where they're uh, a bit larger than life, everybody's a bit hyper. And this, it really works in this. I like the loony bin and the... <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's the way you're supposed you to say You can't quite it. grasp... What timeline it's in? Because they're in a, the they're in the mental asylum, and people are dressed like they're in the seventies or the sixties. Yet there's a flat screen TV on the wall behind them. It's like and then other folks are dressed like they're from the thirties and the forties. It's a very mixture of you can't pin it, can you? Mm-mm. There's something weird going on. Therefore, yeah. My original point is you don't know anything, right? <laughs> Except but, there's him. And them, and them. And it is exceptionally well made. It, I, I, I finished watching it and thought to myself, what what a time we live in that TV shows can be like that. Like, that is such a... Movies and TV shows 
they, they the line is totally blurred now. From yeah, they can do stuff on TV that is just as good as the movies do, and, and sometimes they can also better. have a movie like yeah. Hot Pursuit, which sucks ass. Right, too true. And some some <laughs> the, Hot Pursuit? the quality of some TV at the moment though is like wow, the fact that like Santa Clarita Diet can just be made and shown on something. Like it might be a bit. We're too not saying much. it's super high quality, but it might be a bit too much. It's really for some... stupid and really terrible right. and really lame, and it doesn't, you know, whatever. It may have all this stuff in it that we don't, we don't see as a bad thing. So it doesn't make it good just because we like no, it. No, but and Legion's isn't good just because you like it. Legion. Legion isn't good just because. <laughs> that reminds me of Linda Belcher. <laughs> ten cups. Ten cup. Ten cups. Yeah. Ten cup. Ten cups. <laughs> Exactly. Legions. <laughs> Are we going to watch the Legions tonight? <laughs> it isn't going to be good to a person just because you like it. Um, yeah, but it's just you, got a certain quality about. I it. I love superhero like. stuff, and this is like I, one of my favorite TV shows of all time is Fargo, and I love superhero stuff. And this is literally like Fargo spat out a um, superhero show. Like it, it's like season three of Fargo. It just not so happens to be about this mutant instead. So, yeah, it's perfect for me. And finally, I did play one game this week, and it's Final Fantasy XV. I am working my way through it. I love this game. I'm 45 hours into it. But I have to tell you, chapter 13 of this game involves climbing this tower that all looks exactly the same. You you saw me playing it, probably. It's all metal wall... It's a tower. It's really boring to look at. It never changes. Always looks the same. You climb this tower for about five real-world hours. Sometimes you die and you have to go back to the beginning sometimes. Some, um, but what they do is they strip your party away from you. You get to this tower. All your friends leave, so there's just you. They take all the weapons away from you, so you can't fight. And then they say, get to the top of the tower. And you go, okay, cool, sounds alright. Then you go down the, you start going down the corridors and you see some bad guys and you go, let me just go and mess up those, oh, I can't mess up those bad guys, they took all my weapons away. So what's the gameplay mechanic here for this next five hours? <laughs> oh, that's what it is. It's, there's hidey holes that you hide in until the enemies walk past and then you sneak past them. And it is literally a sneak past enemies for five hours of your time while going up a tower that is like a maze, so there are lots of dead ends. There are elevators on, e- on uh, stairs or elevators on every floor. And there are also five or six dead ends. So you're going through this maze of enemies by not killing anybody and just hiding in these little holes. And waiting and waiting and waiting for them to walk past and then sneaking out. And you're just doing that for five hours of your time. And it is... The most annoying thing I've ever done in a game. I love that game. Um, I've loved the 40 hours that preceded it. I've got to the top of the tower, let me say. It took me five hours. Maybe a little longer. Good use of your life, do you reckon? I finally got to the top of the tower. And I finally got my weapons back. And I am now on chapter 14. Which promises... Chapter 14 is the end of the game. The last chapter. It looks to me... I'm back in the open world now. Not climbing up some stupid tower. That it could get interesting again. So if you get to chapter 13 of Final Fantasy and you really, you almost lose the will to live or play the game anymore, it's so bad. 
I don't understand why they did it. Only thing I can think is they did it to extend the length of the game. Like, because they needed some more time. After 40 hours? Well, Final Fantasies are famous for being 100 hours long. And I'm getting to the end of it in 50. So the only thing I can think is they thought it wasn't long enough, so they would do this tower part. Or, the only other thing I could think of is... When they strip everything away from you and you go through this horrible ordeal of climbing this tower, when you do finally get your weapons back, it feels good. Because it did. As soon as I got my weapons back, I was like, oh my god, I'm so powerful. I can just take anything out now. I don't have to creep past anybody. Right. That did feel good. But I don't think it, the point, I don't think it's five hours worth of slogging to, to have that experience. But anyway, I'm past that. I will probably finish that game this week. I'll tell you what happens towards the end next week. So, what is Svenguli? Svenguli is a horror host. Horror host. He dresses in funny costume, wears funny makeup, tells quote-unquote funny jokes. He thinks they're funny. Where could we watch this show? Me TV on Saturday nights, at least in our location. We don't have cable, so we... It's just from the, the antenna. HD antenna. <laughs> yeah, we discovered him a long time ago. It's been about a year now. And this last week, this week, next week, and the next week, four weeks in a row, he is celebrating having brought on board a new film company. Because it used to be just Universal. Now it's... it's these are Toho, I believe, which is a Japanese... Um, but from probably from some other distribution yeah. company. But it's Godzilla Paramount, movies. Maybe. So last week was the first Godzilla movie. This one is Raids Again, I think it is. Raids Again. Godzilla Raids Again. I think this is the sequel to that one. Last week it was hysterical because... They made the Japanese version of the Godzilla or Gojira movie, because it's not Godzilla. We just say it that way. Gojira. And to make it more American, they used Perry Mason, guy, before he was Perry Mason, and made scenes of him talking to lookalikes and people from the backs of their heads. Yeah, it's awful. And then they make scenes <laughs> where his dialogue or what he's trying to do, and then just like splice, talk about editing. They had to edit him so in when he never existed. To make a whole movie. I'd and like what to you see get the original, but... The a guy next to him, who's translating what everybody's saying, and you get, like, the highlights of the original movie with yeah. him plunked in there. That's and it's so bad. So, there are moments when, <laughs> like, the... Godzilla is, like, destroying the city, and it shows him standing on a hilltop looking. And he's just looking And then it shows him he blowing just... up something, and he looks again. Yeah, there's, never... like, an explosion right near him, yeah. and he's still got no... <laughs> It's like nothing's happening. Him and some other people who appear to be Japanese that they've pl- set next to him to make it look like not the main the cast group. though. Yeah, yeah. It's very very bizarre. It's but weird. It's still in fact, fun. In fact, for for being such an old film, there are some scenes where the main cast are over in one half of the room with the movie. Happening, yeah, yeah. And then him and his cast, which is a totally separate movie, is over here in the same frame. Just edited together. It's just, it's just the oddest thing. Like, and it's just because they wanted to make it appealing to America. A Japanese movie wouldn't fly over here in those days at all. Like, nobody would see it. So, no, no, not true. That's it what was they were saying. Very popular. What they want to do is make it more. I didn't like people. Well, it didn't people, open it. They said people wouldn't sit and watch subtitled movies. Right. In Japanese, obviously, this is also 1953, which is ten years after five, you know, seven, eight years after dropping bombs on. Japan. So there's nothing against it, but there was people weren't really in the, they weren't going to sit and read subtitles. So there's no subtitles. It's all dubbed. It's terrible. Yeah. In that way. But it was good. But if you watch the, um, (laughs) I would 
I'd like to see the original Japanese version of it. Apparently, it's got a more grim tone to it. They kind of lighten the tone in this version. Talk about editing and the editors. Um, so, yeah, this week's is Godzilla Raids again, which I believe is the next one that came after it. So, we'll see that. What's for dinner? Tonight's going to be Subway, I believe. Mmm, yummy. If I, I love time. Subway. Maybe Jimmy John's if I'm running out of time. It's already eight. Slimy cheese. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> or maybe, oh, I don't have anything to go with it, but we bought some corn, Q-U-O-R-N, beef, which isn't beef because we don't eat meat. Oh, that good? Oh, my God, they're amazing, like strips. Teriyaki strips. No, what are they called? Nothing. There's no flavor. It's just beef strips, like, Do they call it beef? Do they say beef? Yeah. Beef. No. These, they go straight forward. Hmm. I don't know why, but they do. Yeah. But they're really delicious, but I don't have any rice or potatoes or any other starch thing to go with. You can just eat them. <laughs> Put them on bread. That doesn't sound very appealing. A sandwich of them. I know, but I don't want that. So I will go get Subway if I have time. And you that's what's for time, supper. Probably. It's 8 02. I also have to get dressed. I'm still in my pajamas. <laughs> I'm sure that won't stop me. <laughs> well, I'm going to Subway. I can't go into Subway. And finally, before we go for our Subway. My advice is, this doesn't sound like advice, but the question is, and then what? You know, in a world, you know, human's world. In a world. In a world where humans live. And I observe a lot of people. I don't have children of my own, so I think I've always observed through my adult years, you know, people's parenting and the, the flow of their family. And a very big pattern that I see is parents have children and they want those children to have the same, and they'll use these words, not my words, their words, values and morals and ideals. And what that trickles down to also is habits and lifestyle. And then it even trickles down even more to the same clothing and music and vehicles. Like a, a parent tells a kid, you're not buying a Chevy. So that kid then grows up, potentially, to hate Ford or anything else. And I'm not making this up. This is for real. So I say, okay, you've raised your child to be you. Then what? Well, you want them to raise a child that's you also. And then what? Because are you your great-great-grandfather? Like, are you delusional enough to think that if your religion and your politics and the way that you see the world and the way that you save your money or don't save your money, the way that you've had a career and expect your child to have a career because you want to just shove that onto them, then what? Like, you've done that. And now they are that. Let's say they've soaked, they're, they're the sponge and they've soaked up all your bullshit. Or they're the lump of clay and now you've formed them into a mini you. Then what? So then they marry somebody else or have, find somebody else in life who has a different point of view. And then they have children. And then what? They're not going to be you. And what's your objective anyway? If I have a child, or you know, it doesn't even have to be a child. It could be anybody. You know, I've seen people try to do this to their friends, to their spouses, to their siblings. Um, when you meet a new friend and you have a point of view like, I love the horror movies, the old crappy horror movies, and I have a friend who maybe doesn't, I, I, you feel try this. Try make them like it. People try to inject, you know, so that they're molding that person. Okay, let's say you do. Then what? You have conversations about that thing? 
over and 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 over again. Or you, you know, you meet somebody at work and then you convince them, like, I'm a vegetarian, therefore let's just have vegetarian lunch every day. And then they kind of go along with you and then you talk about that a little bit. And then what? Yeah. What is the objective of imparting or like in like getting your thing stuck to somebody else? What's after that? Let's say you want to take over and blow it up really big and say, I'm going to take over this country. Not naming names. But then what? You do what? You you spread a certain ideology to the whole world and then everybody's the same? But no, because nobody will be all the same. Somebody will be different and then they will spread their little thing and then they will try to take over the world with their idea. And then somebody over here has a new idea and they do the same fucking thing. What do you... When people want to just keep pushing their thing on other people, I want to know what's your end game here. What are you thinking is going to happen? Like on your dying bed. <laughs> if you have five minutes to think about it. All the things that you wanted to shove down everybody's throats. All the political conversations where you wanted to tell somebody that they're fucking wrong because they're a Democrat or a Republican. Or religious conversations where you couldn't... You just told the atheist person that they're lunatic and they're just wrong because they won't believe in anything that you believe in. But what, at the end of it all, what was your, then what? Like, I don't understand this thing of like, um, what's the word? Um, assimilation, you know? It's the Borg. All the Borg is ever gonna do, yeah. you're a Star Trek fan. All the Borg is ever gonna do is just constantly assimilate more life forms, and for nothing more than to just keep accumulating more, more. That's it, right? There's no end to it. Because, you know, and that's how I see people who just want to box everybody in, their children, their friends, the people around them, the people on Facebook who follow them, whatever. And I just want to always look at somebody and say, okay, so you've raised your kid to be the quarterback and you think that's really important, and then what? <laughs> like, what? What's next? Like, I don't get. I don't get it. It's really confusing to me. Well, you can send answers on the back of a postcard. <laughs> yeah. um, I, while you were talking, I was looking at the arrival um, cover there, and what it looks like is from here is Jeremy Renner is showing you his awesome Forest Whitaker tattoo. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar to last week's. Kind of a bad. TV movies out like, of a cover. Look at this. this. <laughs> I've got Forrest right here on my shoulder. No, have, a, have a look at the cover for this movie, and the bad Photoshop job does look like that. <laughs> Funny. So, um, yeah. And then what? So, I want to remind you about our websites. Aschoolie.com, SidTalk.com. Aschoolie.com has uh, undergone a major redesign this week. So you can go and have a look. Yeah. Brand new um, look and a brand new feel to the whole thing. So go and check that out. It's pretty cool looking. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch us on uh, this uh, this podcast on the iTunes podcast store, the Google Play store, or just go to the RSS feed, aschoolie.com slash podcast, and uh, click on the podcast, and then you can listen to it on the page, or you can subscribe with any reader you want. Email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk. She really doesn't care about any of this. And finally... Stay classy, Miss, uh, Mrs. or Miss Amy Adams. I don't know if she's married or not. Probably. Don't know. I would say yes. Yeah, um, I like her. 
Because, yeah, good. I'm going to say, think for yourself or somebody will do it for you.